0: Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I am your host, Michelle Gale. I'm also the author of the book by the same name, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, which you can find on Amazon. If you have happened to have read it and wouldn't mind leaving a review for me on Amazon, that would be most appreciated. You can also go to my website, to join my community at BeAMindfulParent.com. And if you listen to this podcast and love it, leaving a review on iTunes would be amazing. Last but not least, I'm going to be at a retreat on the East Coast of the U.S. this year in Pennsylvania. It's a retreat for women May 18th through the 20th, called Rise Gatherings. You can find them on risegatherings.com. It's in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. I'll be leading multiple workshops on mindful parenting, as well as workshops on women's leadership, the mindfulness advantage in women's leadership. And if you use the code MICHELLE with two L's, you will receive $100 off your ticket price for the weekend. Thanks for being here. Welcome you guys. It's just you and me today. No interview. I am here to talk about something that has really been on my mind a lot for a long time. And I finally wrote a blog post about it around December. And I'm not sure how many of you have read it or didn't read it, but the blog post is called, everything's fine until it isn't, then it is again. And I added in tales of a family vacation. So I'm gonna read you the blog post and then just share some of my thoughts and the way I've been thinking about this really about being okay with not being okay and how that weaves into our parenting journey on, on such a huge level. And in being able to be okay with not being okay, we just deepen the connection with ourselves and also with our children. So I'm going to read this to you. It's on my website, michellegale.com, if you want to check it out again later. It says, I've had this blog post swirling around in my mind for over a year now. Although I'm writing it while on vacation with my husband and two sons, it's actually the hum of my life pretty much each and every day. Why don't I walk you through a typical 24 hours of this family vacation and tell me if anything seems familiar? It could be just me. I wake up early and do my meditation. My youngest son joins me before the totally realistic Tibetan bell rings on my iPhone app. We snuggle. All is well with the world. Mom, can I have breakfast? And can you bring me my icy cold water and get my book out of my room? Can you turn this light on? Here is where I do my best to connect to my desire to live a life of service. Just breathe. Teenage son wakes up and shares what seems like a friendly grunt. So far, so good. Boys are now sitting on the couch reading together. This is a lovely moment. Soak it in. The bickering begins. No need to analyze what is causing the commotion. It's awful. I raise my voice. My youngest son tells me I shouldn't be allowed to teach mindfulness because I can't always stay calm. Mental stories abound as to how we have failed as parents and human beings. Mourning continues in this fashion. Up, down, up, down. Parents, the only solution to this madness is to pack up and go outside. I have no idea why siblings are kinder to each other the moment you step out of the house, but this is a well-known fact. It likely won't last, but you will get a reprieve. Go, save yourself and your sanity. No, it doesn't matter where you go. (laughs) Just leave. Off we go, fingers crossed. We chose to drive an hour to a deserted beach. 90s hip-hop songs are sung in unison in the back seat. See? We can be a nice, loving family. Let's stop for lunch midway there. No one can agree on what to eat. Husband storms off. Food supplies are purchased from three different cafes due to food allergies and simple obnoxiousness. Why is my life so complicated? It's just lunch. Secluded beach is everything we hoped for. Views are breathtaking. Boys are playing at the water's edge. We snap a family photo. I'm the luckiest person on the planet, feeling grateful, taking mental note of how blessed I am. We stop for dinner on the way home. Someone can't stand how someone else runs his tongue on his braces to clean them while he's eating. This is apparently a major insult in something so gross and wrong that it requires a loud voice to make clear how horrible this behavior is. Heads turn. I turn red. Will this ever end? Can I please not be in this moment? I'll take any other moment. Back in the car, we play a family favorite car ride game. Laughter ensues. I'm appreciating humor, smiles, and this point in time, also grinning at how much I prefer the pleasant moments over the unpleasant ones. Back to our condo and everyone is getting ready for bed. Showers, comfy PJs, and a family movie. I'm noticing the sun-kissed cheeks of my kiddos. Everyone is tired, conscious of the up and down rhythm of the day. Desiring to embrace all that is, as it is. Grateful for the power of awareness. Seeing myself and life as a work in progress. Moment by precious moment. Time for bed. Surrendering to sleep. Thankful for a full life. Everything is fine until it isn't. Then it is again. So can... Can anyone else out there relate to this, (laughs) right? Everything's fine until it isn't, then it is again. And so much about this is being able to tolerate discomfort. And this is really where mindfulness and meditation practices support us and hold us up because we sit in meditation. Let's say we're sitting for an extended period of time, maybe even just 30 minutes or an hour or even just 10 minutes for that matter. And, and anxiety arises and stress arises and we have worry thoughts, right? And we stay, we stay. And something feels like it's not right and we're uncomfortable, but we stay, we stay, right? We learn to stay. We learn to tolerate what doesn't feel good. And we not only tolerate it, but we lean into it. We can lean into it on our cushion and when we're practicing and we can lean into it when we're in our lives, right? Sometimes I'm in my kitchen and I'm having a cup of tea and I'm making breakfast and everything feels okay. And then one of my kids is mad about what we don't have available (laughs) for breakfast. And I can so easily take that personally. And I take it personally and it feels like an attack on me. But if I can get a little space from it, like we do when we practice mindfulness, right? I'll often describe mindfulness as kind of watching ourselves from a distance. So what if we can imagine imagine that I'm floating, <laughs> floating above my kitchen and just looking down and giving a little news report on what I'm actually seeing, right? It's woman making breakfast, boy looking in a cabinet, unhappy. Right? That's really all that's going on. But in the moment, my emotions arise. And when those, those difficult emotions arise quickly, cortisol starts running through our systems. And where our practice comes in and noticing, oh, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. And taking that breath. In fact, I'm not sure if I've taught this little practice on the podcast before, but it's super short and sweet. And I learned it. I'm in this search inside yourself leadership program that came out of Google. And my friend Meng Tan uh, developed at Google. And I'm not sure exactly where this practice came from or who designed it in the program, but it's, it's called a three breaths practice. It's a micro practice. And I think finding a micro practice, whatever that is that works for you is really helpful. So this one is just on the first breath, we just focus on the breath fully, just breathing in and breathing out and just watching the breath come in and out. And then on the second breath, we invite the body to relax. So breathing in, out, and just letting the body relax. Maybe the jaw drop, the shoulders drop. And on that third breath, breathing in and breathing out we ask ourselves what's most important now and we can do this practice so quickly even if we don't have time for that little micro practice we can just breathe i'll often just breath just insinuates posture posture insinuates breath right so we raise our posture we take an exhale we let our body relax We come back to ourselves. And so in that moment of being triggered and having that emotional reaction, if we can just get a moment of pause and weave in a practice, a micro practice, and we can do that over and over again through our day. I will tell you when I first started practicing regularly over 10 years ago, one of my teachers, Wendy Palmer, had taught us the centering practice. And similar to the three breaths practice it was it was posture implies breath right and letting yourself settle noticing gravity so just allowing myself to be held in the chair or the ground balancing energy so front and back left and right above and below just so what would it be like if I was balancing the energy lies like that heat that would comes off us even if you had a heat sensing instrument there actually is heat there's energy coming off our body and then I would let my mind ask my body a question. What would it be like if there was a little more ease in my being right now? Or what would it be like if there was a little more spaciousness in my being right now? And back then, actually, I took on, she encouraged us to take on one of those words each year. So one year I took on ease, one year I took on spaciousness, and on and on. I did it for three or four years. And I would do that practice 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 times a day. So I'm not saying you have to do this, but as a parent, we are running pants on fire <laughs> so often that we need these little micro practices. They really support grounding us back in who we are. And if we can do them over and over again, then we can, we can tolerate that discomfort. We can lean into this discomfort. We can say in our life over and over again, and this too, and I've been on retreat with John Kabat-Zinn quite a few times. And as we're sitting, he'll often say, and this too. Whatever it is, right? and this too. Because we can't fight with the reality of the moment, right? If our kids are fighting, our kids are fighting. We have choice with mindfulness, right? We have that space of choice when we practice that we can get triggered and kind of go down that spiral with our kids, or we can regulate our own nervous system we can pause we can take a breath we can find a little bit of humor and then we can come up with from that space we can come up with so many more creative ideas on what to do next rather than <laughs> which I've done plenty of times but it's just never is skillful it just doesn't work out as well so are you willing to take on some kind of a micro practice even if it's just a breath right How many times do you check your phone and sit down at your computer every day? A ton. They say the average person checks their phone like 150 to 250 times a day. Crazy. So what if every time you went to pick up your phone or sit down at the computer, you did a short micro practice? What if it was just, I'm back and then begin again? And see when we do that over and over and over again, come back to ourselves, come back to ourselves, then we're able to do it when we really are under pressure. So we always want to practice when we're not under pressure. That's when we really want to practice. And then in those moments of high intensity, we see what our practice has offered us. So I love weaving practices of the day. Of course, I'll always encourage you to sit on your cushion or sit on your chair I love using the Insight Timer or Headspace. I have a seven-day series for parents, five minutes a day on the app called Simple Habit. You can find me on there. There's lots of things out there that can support us even in extended practice. So it might be early in the morning before you get up. I'll often sit myself up on on my pillow behind me or just get up and put my feet on the floor and sit up in bed for 15, 20, 30 minutes before other people wake up. I will often just sit in the car when I'm picking my kids up from something or dropping them off and I didn't get to practice this morning so I'll sit and I'll do my dedicated practice we have integrated practices and dedicated practices and our dedicated practices stop us wherever we are close our eyes or leave them open and we intentionally practice we follow the breath we be in the body for 10 15 20 minutes and then integrative practice is what we've been talking about, weaving in those centering practices, feeling the hot water on your hands as you're washing the dishes, smelling the sweetness of your little one when they come out of the bath. And all of these things help us tolerate discomfort. And for parents, this is, this is one of the keys to being able to find ease and joy even amidst the mess and the chaos. And we all have the ability and we all we all can do this over time. It just takes practice. And I'm super grateful to have you as part of my community here and being on this path with you. And I'm going to end by reading you this wonderful piece by Pema Chodron that comes from her book called The Places That Scare You. In meditation, we discover our inherent restlessness. Sometimes we get up and leave. Sometimes we sit there, but our bodies wiggle and squirm and our minds go far away. This can be so uncomfortable that we feel it's impossible to stay. All of us derive security and comfort from the imaginary world of memories and fantasies and plans. We really don't want to stay with the nakedness of our present experience. It goes against the grain to stay present. These are the times when only gentleness and a sense of humor can give us strength to settle down. The pith instruction is stay, stay, just stay. Learning to stay with ourselves in meditation is like training a dog. If we train a dog by beating it, we'll end up with an obedient but very inflexible and rather terrified dog. The dog may obey when we say, stay, come, roll over, and sit up, but he will also be neurotic and confused. By contrast, training with kindness results in someone who is flexible and confident, who doesn't become upset when situations are unpredictable and insecure. So whenever we wander off, we gently encourage ourselves to stay and settle down. Are we experiencing restlessness? Stay. Discursive mind? Stay. Aching knees and throbbing back? Stay. What's for lunch? Stay. What am I doing here? Stay. I can't stand this another minute. Stay. That is how we cultivate steadfastness. When our emotions intensify, what we usually feel is fear. This fear is always lurking in our lives. In sitting meditation, we practice dropping whatever story we are telling ourselves and leaning into the emotions and the fear. Thus, we train in opening the fearful heart to the restlessness of our own energy. We learn to abide with the experience of our emotional distress. Coming back to the present moment takes some effort, but the effort is very light. The instruction is to touch and go. We touch thoughts by acknowledging them as thinking, and then we let them go. It's a way of relaxing our struggle, like touching a bubble with a feather. It's a non-aggressive approach to being here. And again, that was Pema Chodron from The Places That Scare You thank you for being here with me today. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.